Well, welcome to First Baptist Church. Um, for those of you who are watching in the venue, we just had a musical number that was uh, performed last night. And um, if you missed last night or Friday night, you missed an incredible blessing to be here. But we join with those who are watching online, as well as in the venue, as well as in the wiggle room. I'm going to ask you to uh, take out your outline, if you would. You see that we are going through a series uh, called Believe. And we're looking at Mary and her life and what she believed and uh, how that totally changed her life. In fact, the verse I want to ask you to read, if you would join me in reading it out loud here in the sanctuary and uh, over in the venue as well, let's just read it out loud. It's the verse up on the screen out of Luke chapter 1, verse 45. This is what Elizabeth said about Mary. Read it with me. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So what we believe will change everything about us. It changes our life. It changes our convictions. It changes our actions. It changes what we think about it, what we do. It changes everything. And this was brought to Mary, that she believed. And because she believed, she was blessed throughout her life. In fact, there's a popular saying that Henry Ford was the first one to come up with. That he says, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. If you don't believe you can do something, you're not going to be able to do it. And yet, if you do believe, then chances are you can do most anything. In fact, if you have God on your side, it within his, it, if it is within his will, as we talked about last week, nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. You know, today, um, some of the things that we do that seem taken for granted uh, were impossible weren't even dreamed up a uh, hundred years ago. In fact, a hundred years ago, they were just trying to get the uh, flight machine up in the air. And we, we've heard the stories about Kitty Hawk and the Wright brothers and other things like that. But um, today we look at flight as being something that we all take very much for granted. In fact, let me just ask, how many of you have ever, ever flown on an airplane? All right. Uh, it might be easier to go the other way around. How many of you have never flown on an airplane? Do we, do we have a couple here? Okay, we have, we have a couple in, in here. Yeah, yeah. Today, that is something that is just a way of life. We, we take it for granted because um, it, it's kind of even hard for us to imagine that just 100 years ago, a century ago, uh, no one believed that the airplane would take us to where we are today. In fact, many people uh, thought it was impossible. It was inconceivable to do it. In fact, smart educated, sophisticated people said things like this. Let me tell you what Thomas Edison said, uh, who obviously was a visionary in his own right. He said this, that it is apparent to me that the possibilities of the airplane, which two or three years ago were thought to hold the solution to the flying machine problem, have been exhausted and that we turn elsewhere. Now, I would have thought he would have been a little bit more optimistic than that. But he says, it's a bus. Scrap it. Don't go down that road. You can't get up in the air. Here's another expert opinion. Simon Newcomb, who is the director of the U.S. Naval Observatory um, at the turn of the century, that is the turn of the 20th century, and he said this. He said, the flying machine is heavier than air. It is impractical and insignificant, if not utterly, what's the word there? Impossible. But... Just one year later, in 1902, is when the Wright brothers took flight at Kitty Hawk. 
And we celebrate that and we think about that. Uh, but back 100 years ago, very few people saw a promise of air travel. Here's another person, highly educated, William Henry Pickering of Harvard College, a brilliant astronomer. And yet he said this. He said, it is clear that with our present devices, there is no hope of aircraft competing for racing speed with either our locomotives or automobiles. Isn't that great? When you're sitting in a traffic jam on Pacific Avenue trying to get up there that you can look up in the sky and say, at least I'm not going as slow as that airplane is up there, right? Educated people. Nobody believed that you could do this. Then you have someone like this, Sam Hughes, Sir Sam Hughes, who was a Canadian defense minister in 1914. In fact, he was the one who put together the air division um, for the, uh, Canada. Unfortunately, the one and only plane never even made it off the ground, probably from a statement like this is where that developed from. It says, the airplane is the invention of the devil and will never play any part in such a serious business as the defense of a nation. Solves it right there, huh? Airplanes of the devil. Some of you might feel that as you're traveling at this holiday time, right? In those lines, trying to get from one place to another. I mean, think about that. These were typical people who believed that it could not come about what we now regard as very routine. And my point of bringing all this up is that if we underestimate the possibilities of what mere humans can do, think about how much we underestimate the possibilities of what God can do in our lives, As we talked about last week, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Today, you might be in here, and you may believe that um, there are some situations in your life that that not even God can touch and bring about to restoration. Maybe it's something with your health. Maybe you're going in for some sort of a surgery. Maybe you're just experiencing some health complications, and you're not sure what direction this is going to take you. Maybe it's something with a relationship that you're in or with a family member or a child or a parent. Maybe it's something, a a habit or a hurt that you uh, just cannot step through, a hurt that you cannot get over, something with your finances as you're entering into a new year. You don't even want to think about the taxes you have to pay or you haven't paid or the money or the debt that you have. Now, I'm not saying that God is a genie and just going to solve all this, but I do believe God is working in your situation if you turn it over to him, if you allow him, because he wants you to have the hope. He wants you to have the joy. He wants you to have the peace that is promised at this Christmas time, that was promised to this earth. And when Mary was approached by the angel, she as well thought, is this, is this going to be impossible? This seems impossible what's going to happen, but God moved in her life, and now we look at Mary and we say that she is one of the most blessed women, certainly one of the most famous women. I didn't know uh, this before doing a little research a couple weeks ago, but Mary is considered holy above all women, even in the Muslim Quran. In in their faith and in their religion, she's named Miriam. It appears actually more, her name appears more in the Quran than it actually does in our Bible, in our scriptures. And so they as well believe her to be very holy. And while some faiths may, you know, elevate Mary to a high esteem, higher than we would in the Protestant faith, um, I want you to know today, she, she isn't blessed because she was some sort of a deity. We don't have to pray to her. We don't have to pray through her. That's not what Scripture reveals to us. But as Protestants, we do believe that she was blessed, but no more than you and I. 
And I'll talk about that. I'll share why I believe that is so. Mary was blessed, yes, but no more than you or I are blessed through what Jesus did for us on the cross as well. And so if you have your outline, take that out. Let's go over a few points here. And the first one I want to share with you is this. that I believe Mary was blessed because she believed God's grace was for her. Not just for her, but at the time the angel spoke to her, yes, she believed that God's grace was for her says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, I mentioned this last week, but, but I can't re- reiterate this enough. Mary was an ordinary person in an ordinary town. An ordinary person in an ordinary town. There wasn't necessarily anything that, that, that stood out about her. We don't see that in Scripture. We know she was obedient to the Lord. We know that she pondered upon the Lord. Uh, but, but before she was chosen, we don't necessarily see anything that radically stood out, just as there wasn't anything that stood out about Nazareth. In fact, Nazareth was probably looked down upon by, in, in this region. You know, like Stockton sometimes gets a, gets a bad rap. Um, Nazareth, in John chapter 1, verse 46, it said about Nazareth, what good thing comes out of Nazareth? When they talked about Jesus being the Nazarene. What good thing comes out of Nazareth? I mean, think about it. You know, like Stockton, bad schools, uh, high crime. The, 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 the Delta breezes blow and it doesn't always smell so good. What good thing comes out of Nazareth? What good thing comes out of Stockton? You know, sometimes we get that. I, I had someone who mentioned to him the other day. They said, what's up with Stockton? I said, what do you mean what's up with Stockton? They said, well, who decided to put a street on the east side of town that runs north and south and call it West Lane? I thought that was a good point. Now, some of you might know it's from a name of a famous man here in the town of Stockton, but didn't know that earlier. In fact, I, I asked the 8 o'clock service to share with me. What, what, why is that? Why is that here in Stockton? But God's favor, His grace, reached down to the town of Nazareth, reached down to the person of Mary. It, it, it zoned in, it zeroed in on her like a laser it was upon her. In fact, look at verse 28, Luke chapter 1. It says, And he, the angel, came to Mary and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. See, Mary's blessing flowed out of her believing what the angel said to her. You can see it right here, O favored one. Notice, Mary isn't blessed because God gave her some type of deity status, but rather because of how she responded to God's favor, how she responded to God's grace. Because she had a choice. She did not have to. She was not a robot. She didn't have to accept this. When the angel spoke to her, she could have said, nope, I'm not your gal. Find someone else. She didn't. She responded to the grace that was given to her, to the task that was before her. She knew, I I, I believe she knew even in an instant, though, that this was going to taint her. This was going to color her for the rest of her life. The thing about Mary, though, is that she was so obedient, she was actually the one who got to choose what color, how it would taint her, how it would change her life. What's interesting is what has happened since we hear the story of Mary. 
You know, for the first uh, a thousand years, the first millennium after her life, really she was depicted in artwork and in history as being this uh, kind of an imperial type of figure, um, equal to emperors. Uh, she was often depicted in art and such as, as, as being in purple or, or gold kind of uh, jewelry that she would have. So she was given this emperor kind of status, whereas the last thousand years we've seen that that has kind of changed a little bit. It's underwent this shift to now making her much more accessible, making her kinder, making her gentler, kind of this maternal figure that she has become. And, and we see more of that side of her. And I asked that question. I thought, I thought, why is it like that? Here's probably why. We don't have a ton, a ton of information about Mary and her life. We gather some from Luke. We gather some from Matthew. But we don't have a lot of interactions with her, even when Jesus is doing his miracles and such. And, uh, and so we don't know. And so what many historians will say is that societies will put their ideas into Mary and who she is more so really than what Scripture said that she is. And so really when we talk about all of this, I hope that we will stick to what Scripture says and translate it and not give more than needs to be. In fact, here's, here's one of the issues that, that we've had maybe with our Catholic brothers and sisters. We've had just a little bit of different of thoughts on this. Um, part of the error in Mary's status is that the phrase translated from the Greek into Latin, which was done in the 4th century, the Latin Vulgate, was translated, this phrase, O favored one, was translated, Hail, full of grace. You may have even heard that in a rosary. Mary, full of grace. Mary, full of grace. Hail, full of grace. And so, if you go back to the original Greek, rather than the Latin Vulgate, you'll see that really, the better translation is this, O favored one, or... The word um, highly favored, the words highly favored really are what that Greek actually means. And so the Greek word is uh, keritaho, and it's up here on the screen. Um, in fact, would you repeat that with me? Keritaho, say that. Okay, I don't want you to go out to lunch today and say we talked about cherry two today at church, okay? Okay, so it's keritaho, okay? It means to show kindness. And grace, that's what that word means. Now, why are you hitting this so hard, Pastor Brad? Why is this such a big thing? Because that word keritaho appears only one other time in all of Scripture. It appears twice. Once here with Mary and one other time, which is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And the other figure that it talks about besides Mary is you and me. Look what it says. It says, To the praise of His glorious grace, which He, that is God, has freely given us in the one He loves. This grace is freely given to us. We are highly favored. Now, it doesn't say we're full of grace, but it says we are highly favored. It's been freely given, bestowed upon us. Why is that significant? Because it shows me that Mary isn't elevated anymore um, uh, above you and I. She was chosen, she said yes, she answered, and we call her blessed all the way through, but she does not have any more grace. She does not have any more status than you and I do with God. 
It is all done through Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. Mary just was the chosen servant to get to birth Jesus and bring him into the world. Mary received that same grace as you and I have. She's the same as you and I. And interestingly, I think art has also kind of depicted her um, and has given this kind of this otherworldly kind of status to her. In fact, take a look at a couple of paintings um, here's one where we see kind of she has this kind of just this quiet, soft, somber kind of look upon her face. Uh, very interesting angel over here, but we won't comment on him. Um, how about the other uh, picture there? Um, you know, kind of these butterfly wings, this angel. Interesting, she has this halo. She had it in this last painting as well. Kind of this, you know, the sense that she's already the chosen one. And, and she has this halo that glows around her. And she, again, kind of leaning forward having this earnest look of, okay, what would you have me do? I actually think that this next painting by Dante Rossetti really is the one that nails it the most, though. Because here's Mary who's approached, and we blew up her face and the look on her face, and it's one of, what? Huh? Are are you sure about this? See, I think that matches more what we see and probably what our mind's eye should have when we look in places like verse 29. Where it says, but Mary, after she's greeted by the angel, was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Yeah, she was troubled. She, she wasn't very sure of what was going to happen here. She, she didn't recognize who this, this being was, this angel was. He was foreign to her. And, and the words that he spoke were like from a different dialect. Uh, he spoke differently. But she believed in what, in what God was saying through the angel. And because of that, because Mary believed like that, is why she was blessed. Mary understood God's grace was for her. But same grace is for you. It's available to you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says it's been freely given to us as well. And I would hope you have accepted that grace. I would hope that you've accepted whatever call God has on your life. Because as Mary doesn't just believe that God's forgiveness is, is, is from the grace for her, she also believes that he claims us, not just in his grace, but for his grace, for his purposes in serving and sharing with others. That's why we do things like the Caring Christmas tree. That's why we organize that. Mark Turner and his team do a fabulous job in making that happen. Last Wednesday had a great celebration and, and just praying over those gifts. And, and hundreds and hundreds of people received those gifts uh, on Thursday morning as the team went out in the rainy weather and delivered them uh, in the name of Christ, in the name of First Baptist, giving glory and praise to God. What he has given to us so that we can give it to others. That's why we do you know, the Thanksgiving outreaches. And that's why we do the, the um, breakfast club and, and all those kind of things. You know, it's why we have people even who serve here on a regular basis, and so many of you serve in such wonderful ways. Um, At the 8 o'clock service, I talked about Angie Johnson. She has been at that back door serving and greeting people for for probably 7, 10 years, uh, many, many years. Um, She passed away on uh, Friday. And uh, for the first time, people were, some people were walking in and didn't notice Angie at the door, didn't notice um, her being there to give her a hug, because that's what she did. She was a huge hugger. She was in her 90s and was still so faithful to serve and to greet and share with people. In fact, another person just said, you know, they brought one of these poinsettias to her at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and just hours later, she was at the feet of Jesus. And I thought even the person who brought the poinsettia, 
serving. That's what we want to do around here. They blessed Angie. Angie blessed us for so many years, ushering, greeting, loving on people, hugging people, just sharing the love and goodness of God. She was chosen. You're chosen. I'm chosen. We are chosen to receive God's grace. Mary wasn't an off-the-chart special kind of person. She just, I believe she was even just as surprised by this message. She was just as surprised by the grace that God was given to her. In fact, why do you say that, Pastor Brad? Let me share with you. Verses 46 through 48. Here's what it says in Scripture. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the, what's the next word there? On the what? The humble estate of his servant. Mary didn't have it in her mind. I, I, I'm just so haughty and so proud, and, 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 and I'm the best. Now, she realizes that this is going to change her life because she says, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. But she knows. She has this attitude of a humble servant answering, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mary's blessed because she knew God's grace was upon her. Let me give you a second thing that's on your outline there. Mary was also blessed, I believe, because she didn't, she knew, she believed, she didn't have to go through this alone, which is very significant. As soon as the angel told Mary in verse 35 how she would give birth as a virgin to baby Jesus, the angel says in verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then we hear that line, for nothing is impossible with God. In other words, Mary, you're going through this, but your relative Elizabeth is going through this as well. Go, see what she's doing. And we see her going in verse 39. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. If you know the story, that's John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, his role as a servant was to point the way to Jesus. And so he is the prophet saying, here comes one behind me. Already in the womb, John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus, saying, that is a chosen child. That child is the one from God. Already in the womb, making this known. And then that line there that we read at the beginning of the message, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth was, was an incredible encouragement to Mary. God doesn't expect us to have to go through life alone. Last Sunday night, I had a wonderful opportunity to go one of our the home of one of our community groups. They've been together for a couple of years, invited my wife and family to be a part of what they were doing. Just a, a, a tremendous spread of food. I mean, it was like a Thanksgiving meal that they laid out. I even took a picture of it. I, I think I'm getting old enough where I now take pictures of food. That's strange. But it, but it was just a blessing to see how, how they just opened their home, and they've been doing this for a couple of years and inviting people into their groups and sharing stories. They, they all sat around the table after we ate with them. 
And you just heard from one person to the next to the next of how blessed they had been to go through life experiences with this small group, with this family, this community of believers. Some of them have gone through some health complications. They've gone through some rough times in the last couple of years. But to get to do it with others is how God designed us to go through life together. On Monday, I went to the hospital to visit one of our members here. He'd been in for a few days, and uh, I I talked to him. He was still in a great amount of pain. Uh, In fact, when I was in his room, he began to weep. And and, and as I was kind of listening to his story, though, it wasn't that he was weeping because he was in pain and sickness and worried about himself. He was crying because uh, he felt so blessed to have so many people who had come and visited him at the hospital. In fact, he didn't realize how many people here from the church love him, and care about him. And it just brought him to this place of saying, I I feel so blessed to be here to have to realize how many people care about me. In fact, on on Wednesdays, last Wednesday night, I was talking with a a, a couple. Um, The gentleman had been in the hospital and then had been ill for about a month and had missed being here, missed being a part of our Tuesday morning uh, uh, men's group at UJ's, missed being in this community group. And and his wife said, you know the day that he turned around because he came back to the men's breakfast and uh, he looked like he lost a lot of weight. In fact, his skin color hadn't turned, you know, back to, to looking real healthy yet. She said the day he turned around was the day he came home from that men's group. He got back with his group. He got back with his guys. He got back with the guys who pray for him and care about him and love him. I was talking to him about that. He said, he said when he went to the hospital, there was not a day. In fact, there was only one day, the day he was in surgery, where someone from his community group or from the church didn't come by and see him. Every other day, someone was right there. In fact, when I went down to see him the very first night, I could hardly get in the room. His old team, his old community group was in there with them. He said, but I'm the pastor. Can I get in? It's like, no, we got this one taken care of, Brad. You're, you're okay. We got it. I love that. I love when our groups do that and care for one another. It shows we don't have to go through this alone. That's not the way God set that up. We don't have to do it alone. And today, if you are here in the sanctuary and you feel lonely, you feel as though, yeah, I'm surrounded by hundreds of people, but um, I feel extremely lonely. I just want to put this back in your court and say, step out and get involved when we put out a call for community groups. Step out and get involved. Be a part of serving on teams or involved in a Sunday school class or in some sort of women's ministry or men's ministry. Someplace, someone, step out. That's how these people got connected. That's how they got so many friends around them. That's how come they're not going through difficult times alone. And that's not just for you, that's for others. Others need to be blessed by you as well. I mean, Mary's going through this. She hears this, and the angel said, you're not alone in this, Mary. You can can come together with with Elizabeth. And, And, you know, they had to have shared notes. They had to have talked about, wow, how did you receive this baby? Okay, and, 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 and Mary, how did you come to this? See, this was all a part of God's plan. I mean, let's focus upon what was growing there inside of Mary. This was God's redemptive plan for mankind. She carried Jesus. Let's never lose sight of the fact that Jesus being born as a baby means not only does God now bring others into our lives that we don't have to go through life together, but also it means that God understands because he experiences through his son Jesus and and, and God gives us the Holy Spirit to go through life with. 
I mean, this moment in time, this is the game changer. This is God's plan, the redemptive story. This is how God brings us back to him. Ever since in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, when sin was first done, we see the whole Old Testament, God working through the nation of Israel. And then we see 400 years of silence. My pages are blank. Silence before the New Testament comes. And now here it's ushered in. And this is when Jesus comes in the form of a baby. That was God's plan. It is, it is mind-blowing of why that would come like that. But that's how God initiated it. For you and for me. So that we don't have to go through life alone. We can be back in relationship with God. And when Jesus leaves and promises to come back to us again one day, he leaves us his Holy Spirit so we don't have to do this on our own. And I pray you've experienced that today, not only through what God can do in a personal relationship, but also that you can experience that with others. That's how God set it up to be. Again, if you were on your own, please step out. Get involved. We have information for you. Those small groups, those community groups will start back up in the new year. Be a part of that. Not only to be blessed yourself, but to be a blessing to others as well. Let me hit the third point that's on your outline, and it's this. I believe Mary was blessed as well because her beliefs led to action. Her beliefs led to an action. Trust would be another way of saying it. She trusted what the angel said was going to happen to her was best for what God was wanting to do in the world in bringing the Messiah into the world. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. And now the angel leaves, yes, but she turns to Elizabeth. She turns to others in her life. She has those people in her life. But her words came out, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be to me according to your word. And and you have to know that she was already in her mind calculating, oh my goodness, look at what has happened to me. I mean, is anybody going to believe me? I mean, would you? When you go to Joseph, you say, hey, this is what happened. He's going to say, you committed adultery. He's going to say, you could be killed by our community of believers. He's going to say, I want a divorce from you. You think about her. She was an unwed teenage mom. Most experts believe Mary was around the age of 13 to 15 years of age. To experience this, she would be called a liar. She would be laughed at. She probably felt like she was stepping off of a cliff. Where is this leading me? You know, there's an interesting um, scene from the movie Indiana Jones that kind of depicts this. It's from the third movie, uh, The Last Crusade. Some of you have seen this before, but he comes up to this giant chasm, and uh, he struggles with where his next step, Indiana Jones struggles with where his next step will lead him. Um, take a look. Put yourself in, in his shoes as he experiences this. Last 
felt just like that. Stepping off of a cliff saying, is this going to happen? Am I going to be called by God? Is this really God working in me? She did. She believed. She believed what the angel said, that God knew best. Some of you have experienced that this last year. You have turned your keys. You have turned your life over to Christ. You have stepped out and said, okay, Let me try this. Last week, one of the people here in the sanctuary wrote down on the card, today I've given my life to Christ. I'm trusting him. Others of you have uh, begun to serve him in this last year. Others of you have stepped out and Maybe it's something in your job. Maybe it's something with, with, with a family member that you've taken a risk and you've done something that you didn't feel real comfortable with. Maybe it's something in your finances. Even with our campaign, you've stepped out and you've said, okay, God, this is what I think you're, you're leading me to do. Let me take a step. It can be scary. It can be difficult. But like Mary, I think God wants us to come to a place of saying, God, I'm your servant. Yes, May it be as you have said to me. Yes. Yes. You know, there's a great saying that some of you might even have a picture of this or a painting on this, or you've kept it up on your refrigerator, but it's a saying that says, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Mary had to believe that. God, this is your will, let me go. But know that your grace and your love and your goodness will keep me within your steps. And I pray you will feel that this Christmas season. I pray you will feel that throughout the next entire year, 2016. Knowing you do not have to do this alone. His grace is for you, yes. But the first response is to say, okay, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Have you taken that step? Have you taken it in the sense of faith? Have you taken it in the sense of saying, yes, I'll get involved. Yes, I'll serve. It's a big step. We might not even see where the bridge leads, but it's a step that God lays upon us to say, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? I pray you will say yes. And I pray as you say yes, 
the Lord will step in and show that his words are true. Your life is blessed. Your life, in fact, is blessed by one who has been called blessed for 2,000 years, Mary, because of what she experienced through her son, salvation coming to us. Amen? Let's pray. God, your word shows us how Mary lived her life. God, your word shows us the life of a servant lived in relationship with you, who's been blessed throughout her story was first told. And yet, God, we, we don't elevate her to some special deity type status. We, we, we don't have to approach you through her. God, we, we just know that you used Mary in a tremendous way, even as you desire to use us. And God, it's because Mary believed. It's because she believed you when you spoke to her. And it's because she believed that her son that she gave birth to was God incarnate, the Savior, the, the Messiah that came. Lord, she was a, she was a woman of belief that points towards you. And I thank you that um, even as we've talked about this and shared about Mary's life, her life is nothing if it's not for Jesus. And I thank you that, God, you have sent your son into this world to die for our sins. That's why we celebrate Christmas time. That's why we build up to Easter because of what he did for us on the cross, but did not stay there. He rose again on the third day. And Lord, even as we sing this song, this last song in just a moment, I thank you for the words that are there that talk about how we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ, his son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe they're three in one. Lord, we believe that you are coming back for us again one day. And so we celebrate that. God, thank you for calling us blessed. Thank you that what we believe puts us in status with you, of your children, chosen, freely given this grace. We worship you, we praise you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.